You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Um, if you want to take your Bibles and turn with me this morning, we are going to look in the book of Genesis, uh, and we're going to land on chapter 8. Uh, we are in uh, types and shadows, if you will, uh, of the Old Testament, and uh, last week we talked about Adam uh, and, and com- made the parallel with Adam and Jesus. This week we're going to look at Noah and we're going to look at the ark and we're going to talk a little bit about that particular type uh, that we see there. So Genesis chapter 8 and we're going to begin reading at verse 13. As you're finding that, let me pray for us, please. Father, we just simply ask you that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would enlighten us this morning. Would you open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to understand and to see and to know the truth of your word. We pray that you would allow me this morning to decrease and through me that Christ would increase and that through the power of the Holy Spirit we would indeed gain knowledge and understanding and revelation today. We thank you for your word and we ask you to help us today to receive it, Lord, with great joy and with great conviction and with a great determination to change our lives and wrap our lives around your word and shape our lives around your word for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 8, beginning at verse 13. Melissa's going to throw that up there for you. and We're going to just read a few verses here. In the 601st year in the month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants... I give you everything. This is the end of the story. This is the, uh, the, the joy of this, this particularly heavy kind of story uh, that we want to talk about this morning. And that is obviously the flood. It was this place where God decided that he was going to eradicate uh, the, the sin and the rebellion that was on the earth. And uh, so he was going to send this flood 
And prior to sending the flood, he spoke to Noah, and Noah, out of obedience, began to build the ark. And uh, he built the ark over a period of time, uh, being obedient in every aspect of that building. And then there came the point when judgment prevailed, and Noah was sent into the ark, called into the ark, and the ark was sealed up, and uh, then came the floods of water that brought destruction on the earth, all right? Now, let me say this to you this morning as we begin this particular message. Illustrations, as we've talked about, types and shadows. Now, illustrations explain complex things in very simple ways, and that's what we want to do this morning. It's like, it's like putting together a bicycle or a piece of unassembled furniture. You have all, all these parts, all these pieces or whatever, and, 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 and so... Uh, you want to learn how to, to, to do that. It's like you want to learn how to tie a knot or you want to learn how to crochet or those kinds of things. One of the best ways to do that is to look at a picture, to look at a facsimile, if you will, to look at, at, at an illustration uh, of that, all right? And the Old Testament is filled with these amazing illustrations. They're just all over the place. And they are true stories, all right, that demonstrate current realities. They, they are from the Old Testament, that they speak to the now. They speak in a, in a rhema kind of way, if you will, to us. For example, the, the tabernacle is an illustration of the work of, of Christ. Um, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9 says, this is an illustration for the present time. All right? And last week we talked about Adam, and we talked about Adam as an illustration of Jesus, as the second Adam. And uh, we saw in Romans chapter 5, verse 14, where it says that, that nevertheless death reigned from the time of Adam, who was a pattern of the one, Jesus, to come. All right? So we see Adam, and we see that he is a pattern, or he is a, 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 a silhouette, if you will, of Jesus. All right? Uh, there are a lot of Old Testament saints, uh, prophets and such, that, that illustrate our uh, need to be more attentive to scriptures and to realize that the scriptures speak to us and that the scriptures call us to remain obedient in our Christian walk. Um, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 speaks to this and says, we, you and I as believers today, we need to pay a more careful attention, if you will, to what was spoken in the Old Testament because um, what we have heard there uh, is important for us that we not drift away from God, that we not move away or fall away from God. So these Old Testament passages are given to us. They're important to us for our growth, for our development, for us to understand how God intends to work with us as humanity and what God has done in such a marvelous way for us. So we want to look at all of these types and shadows as we're going along in that kind of perspective, all right? So the illustration that we have today here is, uh, that we're going to study today is that of Noah, and in particular, the ark. And I want to say to you right up front that we're going to talk about salvation today because I believe that, that the ark teaches us about salvation, okay? And um, just like Noah entered uh, the ark here in this, this passage that, that, that we are studying here, um, he was to be saved. He was to be saved from the flood. And we also enter into the ark of salvation through our faith in Jesus Christ to be saved from our sin or from the flood of sin into our lives, okay? So our study that we're going to look at here is compares this, this new beginning for Noah, if you will, as 
he left the ark. And that's where we pick up the, the, the scriptures and where I, where I read them to you this morning. The, the, the steps of Noah uh, that, that he took as he left this ark, as he moved on the end of this flood, teaches us something, I think, about our new beginnings as Christians, our new walk, if you will, as believers. Something happens in us when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we begin a new walk. And Noah begins a, a new life in literally a new world, if you will, just like we begin a, a new life when we commit our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, then he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Just as in the days of Noah, the old earth as they knew it was gone. It was, in a sense, a new pristine earth and a fresh start. Okay? So Noah here presents us this picture, if you will, of starting over. All right? Much like the Christian life. And so we want to springboard off of that today and we want to give this good news to one another that we are living as new creatures. We're not the way we were. We're not the way we behaved before we knew Jesus. It was different then than it is now. And we have this sense of newness about us. And so the challenge for us is that we live out of newness, not out of the old patterns or the old ways in which we lived and functioned before, okay? So we consider the, the end of the flood, we consider Noah's entrance into this new world, if you will, that it is illustrating to us this new life that you and I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to we grab a hold of that this morning and let this Old Testament story, this real story, speak to us about these things. We want to look at what this type, the message of this type is for you and I. Pastor Dave was talking to me this week and shared with me a writer, and, and I, want to just, I just want to quote him a little bit here because he takes this all the way uh, uh, through here, and I, and I like what he has to say, and I won't read all the scripture references that he gives, but, but his name is, is Byron Wheaton, and he says this. He says, the story of Noah is, is, is a, a, a wonderful example here. God sentenced the world to death because of the wickedness of humanity, and Noah is informed of the coming cataclysm and is instructed to build the ark he his family representative pairs of all the creatures and everyone else he can persuade to join him are to enter the ark once it is completed the animals loaded and noah and his family are on board the door is closed and the judgment fall with devastating effect waters cover the earth so that the primeval state of the pre creation situation is returned. It is significant that Noah does not escape the ordeal. He experiences the full brunt of the storm, but experiences it that means he does not escape it. He is within the safety of the ark made to withstand the tyranny of the chaos forces unleashed upon the world. His deliverance then must be seen as supernatural. See, we're seeing the hand of God move here in a situation. This is not Noah doing his own thing. This is not Noah just making something happen here or getting some crazy idea. But this is the supernatural intervention of God saving Noah. 
He goes on to say, when the ark is beached on Ariat and the waters subside, Noah enters into this pristine, newly reformed world to originate a new humanity. God's covenant of life is reestablished. And he makes reference that, that Adam is like, like uh, uh, this, th- that Noah is like a second Adam here, all right? Representing his offspring as well as the world that he is responsible for now. He goes on to say this. He says, each of the characteristics of the resurrection theme mentioned above is present in the story. I love this. The sentence of death is delivered. The process of destruction gets underway. There is no human solution that can lead to deliverance. There is a miraculous intervention, and the regained life issues in a new order of things. Wow. God has done something, folks. He has has recalibrated everything here through this judgment from the flood. He goes on to say this. He says, it's striking that Peter, in his discussion of the redemptive work of Christ in his death and resurrection, draws this analogy of the Noah narrative. Peter links the flood waters to the waters of baptism, which, at least in part, image the notion of death and resurrection. Noah and his family go into the boat, and they are sealed in there until the flood passes over and and the judgment has come and then it rests on the mountaintop and then the doors are open and they're released out into this new world, if you will. Calvin speaks of that ark as a sepulcher from which Noah emerges in this new life. This is what I want you to picture today is, is that there was a time when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but... By the grace of God through Jesus Christ, you are now alive. You are now a new creation. There's a new order for you. There's a a new world order that you live in. You don't live in that old order anymore. You live in this new order, which is a new reality. This isn't some fantasy. This isn't some figment of our imagination. This isn't something that that we just kind of dream up in our own heads to work with. But this is a reality that, that God brought this this uh, intense judgment upon the earth. But out of that, we draw these amazing understandings and revelations of redemption through Jesus Christ. Jesus saved you. Jesus saved you to give you new life. Not, Not just to rescue you, but to give you new life. This wasn't just about a family being rescued, but it's about a family taking on the responsibility of a new order and a new life. This was Noah's 600th birthday present, if you will, all right? There's no, I I don't think it's a a small coincidence here. I'm not into numbers, by the way, but I like this one in particular. Uh, A lot of people are into numbers in the scriptures, and that's cool. Um, But but I I don't think it's a a small coincidence here that that the exact date is given for us in this narrative. And and I want to pay a little bit of attention to that when you look at the, the kind of the numbers thing. And, 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 and I think the Lord wants us to understand something here, and that is that Noah entered into to this new beginning. Um, and, and he did it on, on, on the first day of his 601st year. That alone is quite amazing, isn't it? Um, but the, the, the number 6, 
600 here, or these 600 years, uh, if, you, if you look at, at numbers, it, it represents the old life, all right? Six is the, the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. Man worked for six days, and then he rested on the Sabbath. So, so we see here that Noah's old life, Noah's fleshly life, in a sense, uh, as he knew it before the judgment, it's over, it, it's done with, and this is a new life. A new life is beginning for Noah here. And I want you to understand that about yourself, that when you accept Christ as your Savior, the old is gone. The old man or the old woman is gone at that point, and you start to live in this newness. And I, and I, I would challenge you now that we see ourselves that way. We see ourselves in this place of salvation we see ourselves in a new life. You have a new beginning there. You say, well, Pastor Bill, but, but I've already blown that. Start over then, okay? Go back to that promise. Go back to that type even and begin to understand that through Christ you were given a new life. And then forget the old life and, and, and recommit yourself to the new life that you live in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live in that oldness. You don't have to behave in those same kinds of ways that you behaved in before Jesus because now you are in Jesus. You are in salvation, if you will, all right? So we're saved from death to life. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, talks about how we were buried with him through baptism in, into death in order that, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too, we also may live a new life, all right? This, this is the thread, this is the promise that we see throughout the New Testament, all right, that, that we are different, we are not the same as we were, all right? Um, Augustine was, he, he was raised by such a, a godly mother, and, and, and a lot of what you read about the life of Augustine, you find that, that uh, she prayed constantly for him, because he, he at times led a, a, a life of, of wickedness. And um, he was listening, you know, to Ambrose preach on, on salvation. And he accepted, he surrendered his heart to Jesus. And the story is told that when his lover of the time uh, heard of his conversion, that, that she begged him to return to her. Um, and he wasn't interested in doing that. And it says that she came to him and, and she pleaded. And this is what she said. She said, Augustine, it is I. As if that would turn his head, and, and the story is that Augustine said, yes, but it is not I. I. I'm not that same person. I'm not that same individual. I don't think like I did there. I'm not acting like I did there. I want to act differently. And I know for some of us that is a struggle because we fight the flesh often, and, we, and, and the flesh is strong. But I'm saying to you that we need to begin to live out of this newness that we have because we have been brought out through salvation. And we are not under judgment. We are under life. All right? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved from darkness and we're saved into light, if you will. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, all right? in Christ. In, in the covenant, in the ark, so to speak, you, you are light in the Lord, all right? So then live as children of light. In other words, live out of who you are. We're saved from, from blindness. We're saved into sight. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, he, he made his light shine in our hearts 
to give us the light of the, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So this is where we stand. This is where we position ourselves. This is where we, we hold on. The world of the flood was a world marked by sin and darkness. God brought a judgment upon it, but the salvation that is represented through the ark is a powerful story of what God has also done through the Lord Jesus Christ. So God cleansed the world and he brought Noah into this new reality just as he cleanses us and he brings us into a new reality and a new life as well. That's good news. That's a great, great good news for you and I, all right? So let me, let me just address some of these types for a few minutes, all right? Um, because I think this, this ark which was built by Noah, and I believe it was built totally by divine direction and, and Noah was obedient in every aspect of it, um, and, and, and it's important to understand that, that in this, Noah found shelter in the, in, in the storm of God's wrath. That is important for us. It's, it's, it's really the clearest and most, I think, comprehensive type of the believer's salvation that we find in the Old Testament. And that, that may be open for debate, but I, 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 it's, it's so powerful to me. I, I, I see it as, as just this great, all right? So let, let me, let me kind of talk to you about a little bit of that type right now. And let's, let's look at that for a few minutes, okay? Um, the first thing that I want, I want to, to, to take note of here is the connection with the ark. That is, it was a divine provision, all right? The ark is a divine provision. And I think this is really clear from the words of Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, where God speaks to Noah and he says, the end of all flesh has come before me. And then he goes and says, make an ark. You, you, Noah, you make an ark. Don't have someone else make it. You make an ark. So here's what I want you to understand from that passage, all right? Before the flood came and before the ark was made, a means of escape, all right? A means of escape existed in the mind of God. He already was planning an escape, all right? So, so the ark was not provided uh, by him after the waters had begun to descend. It, was, it didn't start raining, and then God says, oh, Noah, go build an ark. Oh, oh, we, we better do something. God, God is, 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 Noah is commanded to construct it before a single drop of rain has fallen. And I want you to, I want you to understand the parallel there because I want to say to you that the saviorship of Christ was no afterthought of God when sin had come in and, and blighted creation as, as, as God uh, created us, all right? From all eternity, I believe, he has purposed to, de, to, to redeem a people to himself. And so Christ, in the counsels of the Godhead, if you will, all right, before before the foundation of the world, Jesus is referred to in Revelation 13, 8, a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The ark was God's provision for Noah, and Christ is God's provision for sinners. And this is not an afterthought of God. He has always planned a way for you to be redeemed. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew you before the foundations of the world. He knew you as you would be a sinner. And yet, while you were a sinner, it says Christ died for you. So th this work is no uh, reactionary thing to a circumstance of nature. 
This is no afterthought of God and and him having to to quick do some knee-jerk kind of thing. And this isn't Noah's own handiwork alone. But this is because God loved you enough that he looked through history and he made a way and he began to express uh, an understanding or a revelation of that way ahead of time. Even in the Old Testament, he is helping us to see this salvation that we have in Jesus. Now observe this with me. God revealed to Noah his, his own designs and he ordered him to build a an ark, a place of refuge, if you will, in, into which Noah and anyone else could flee from this impending judgment. The ark was no invention of Noah's. Had not God revealed his thoughts to Noah, he would have perished along with all the other people and creatures. And I want to say this to you in, in, in the same way. If, if God has to reveal by His Spirit his, 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 his thoughts of mercy and grace towards us, He has to do that. Other, otherwise, our blindness, our ignorance would cause us to be eternally lost. Just as God spoke to Noah, God speaks to us. Um, first, uh, Second Corinthians, we just, I, I just referenced this, this scripture a few minutes ago, but I, I want to reference it again. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. I want you to really... This is one that I'd, I'd love for all of us to put into our heart, you know, that God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. That God has shined in our hearts. He has, he has turned the light on, if you will, in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When you look to Jesus, and, and you, you get the revelation of Jesus. You're getting the, the glory of God if you will. And it is this, this Jesus that is our answer. We don't, we don't carry any other, as we're going to see here in, in a moment. There, there isn't any other for us other than this Jesus. And an, another thing I want you to understand is, is that this ark was a refuge from divine judgment. And I, I want to pose this to you. I think that there are three arcs mentioned in Scripture. And I think that each one of them was a shelter. It was a place of safety. It was, it was a, a refuge, if you will. Let, let, let me identify them for you, all right? One is the Ark of Noah. Okay, that was the first one. That's, that secured those people who got in the Ark with Noah, his, his family, all right, all the animals. And then God poured out wrath upon the earth. The second is found in Exodus chapter 2, verse, verse 3. And that is the ark of the bulrushes. That's that little ark, if you will. It's where Moses was put. All right? But, but Moses was, was laid down as a young child in that, in that ark of bulrushes, those, those vines and branches, if, if you will. Uh, and the intent of that was to keep him safe, for him to be saved, for him to have salvation, if you will, from the plans of Pharaoh, who we know to be a type of Satan, all right? So, so then there's the Ark of the Covenant after that that sheltered the two tablets of stone uh, in which the law was inscribed. And I think that each of these arks speaks of Christ 
And, and I want to kind of like put them together here for just a moment. And I want you to, to, to learn something here. And I think that as a believer, you are sheltered from God's wrath. You are sheltered from Satan's assaults. And you're sheltered from the condemnation of the law. And how is that? It is in Christ. In Christ alone. You, you, don't, you don't have to go get anything else, all right? The Ark of Noah was a place of safety. It was provided by God. When, when death threatened all, it was the only place, if you will, of deliverance from the wrath that was to come. And, and as such, it speaks of the Lord Jesus, doesn't it? The only Savior of lost, sinful people. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. So he is the only way. He is the only answer for us. And I believe that the ark symbolizes that for us as well. This, this is interesting. I, I love this aspect of my study here, what I'm trying to bring to you. Into this ark, <laughs> man is invited through Noah. Man is invited to come. He was invited by God himself. All right? Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, the Lord speaks to Noah in that passage and says, you come and your household and get in the ark. All right, come. And, and, and that's, that's an important word, I think. This is, this is the first time that that word is actually used, I'm told, in Scripture uh, in that sense of come. It's found about 500 other times after that in the remainder of Scripture. I think we need to observe here that the Lord does not say, go into the ark, but come into the ark. If I, if I say, Pastor Dave, go to the gym in your car, I'm telling him to go. I'm telling him to separate himself from me. You, you go dismissed. But if I say, come with me in the car, come in with me, I'm indicating that I'm going to be there with him. And I want to, I want to, I want to challenge us that we, we grab a hold of this and really personalize this, because I think this is the invitation to you and I, is that, that, that we come, it's a very, I think, gracious and beautiful invitation here. Come. The Lord is bidding Noah to come, not to depart away from him, but to come to him. And that indicates that the Lord would be present with him in the ark, if you will. And we see this in the Gospels when Jesus says what? Come to me, and I will give you rest. I'll, t I'll take your burden. I'll, I'll give you rest. Let's take that just a little bit further here. The observation is here that the invitation was a personal one. Noah, you come. And, and God always addresses himself, I believe, folks, to the heart and the conscience of the individual. All right? I, I don't believe God addresses me for Pastor Dave or, or, or Alicia or, or, or Jack or, or, or any, anyone else. I, I, I believe that God 
speaks to you. God addresses you in his call, in his invitation to come. He, he addresses you. But, but it's interesting here that he says in this passage, Noah, you come and all of your house into the ark. And, and I find this parallel in the book of Acts in, in chapter 16, verse 31, where a family is told to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. And I believe that, that we, can, we can draw this kind of parallel here and see that this type is so much salvation that we see here in the ark. Because we see the way God handles Noah and his family. Also, I think the ark was a place of absolute security. I think you can see this in several, several different particular kinds of ways, but let me, let me grab a couple of them for you here and unpack it a little bit. The ark was pitched. The Bible says it's pitched, it's sealed. It's this, this tar kind of substance on it. It's pitched within, and it's pitched without, according to Genesis chapter 6. So it would be thoroughly watertight. It would be such a, a perfect shelter, if you will. No matter how hard it rained, no matter how high the waters rose, all inside the ark are secure. I love that idea. All inside the ark are secure. So all uh, inside the ark with, with, with respect to our salvation, the, the type there is that in Christ we are all secure. All right? Our, our security is in Christ. It's not in what you do. It's not in, in how you perform. It's not in what you acquire. It's not in your role in the church. It's not in the rituals of the church. It's not in the ordinances of the church. It's not in the sacraments of the church. It is in Christ that you are secure. And then in Genesis chapter 7, you read that he says, the Lord shut him in, he and all of his family. And I think that's amazing because that conveys to me that God intended to take care of him. God intended to be his provision. God shut him in. This wasn't something Noah decided to do on his own, and Noah didn't just say, you know what, I'm just going to build a boat and be ready, and I'm just going to, when I, when I feel like it and I feel it's needful, I'm just going to shut the door. I'm going to take care of that. Noah is leaving everything up to God and just being obedient here. This is an amazing picture of this man and his obedience. And he builds the ark, and then he waits on the Lord, and when the Lord says it's time, the Lord shuts him in. And so Noah knows that God is going to take care of him. So it is with you and I who have Christ as our refuge, all right? We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, which will be revealed in the last time, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. We're kept. Finally, the, the security of, of everyone in the ark is, is seen in them being sort of issued forth. One year later, the door opens and they are on a very destruction-swept earth. But it says in, in Genesis chapter 8 that Noah went forth, and that's where we started to read this morning. And so did all the beasts, every creeping thing, every fowl of the air. Everything that creeps upon the earth, 
they went out of the ark, if you will. All, let's see, I want you to understand. All who entered the ark came out of the ark. Every body, every animal that went in the ark came out of the ark. And I, that is just such a perfect type, if you will. This reminds us of, I think, the words of the Lord in, in John 18, 9. It says, of them, Jesus is praying. He's praying to the Father. And he says this. This is such a beautiful prayer, and I love this particular portion of it. He says, of them that you gave me, I've lost none. <laughs> yes. Didn't lose a one. They all are still with me. The ones you gave me, Lord God. And I, 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 I think that we, we just need to see how amazing this, this love, this abounding love of God is. That Not only has he saved us, but he has called us into his presence. He is with us. Not only is he with us, he is the provision for us. He will take care of us. And not only that, we will not be lost in him. We are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have him as our Lord and Savior. These are amazing, amazing promises. Oh, we're going to have to quit pretty soon here. Let, let me point out a couple of other things to you. I think it's also an amazing parallel that the ark had only one door. There's, there's only one entrance for Noah and his family. There's not another one for the animals. There's not another one for the birds. But there's only one door for all of them. There's only one way, one entrance in, if you will. And I think the spiritual application is, is apparent for us here, but I want to say it. There is only one way of deliverance from wrath of sin, and that is through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father but through me or by me, some translations say. And, and, and the language here of this type is, is, I think, what Jesus uses in John chapter 10, verse 9, where he says, I am the door. I am the way in. You, you've got to come through me. There isn't any other way that you can come through. God's heart is for us in this way. Let's see. I got a whole ton of these. I'd love to share them all with you, but, but there's not going to be enough time, so I'm going to skip over a few here because there's, there's one in particular that I really like. This is in connection with the art now and, and, and the truth of the atonement. And I think this is where the atonement is presented in this particular story as a type. Um, there, there's several particulars in this, and I'll try to make it as, as, as quick as I can. God says to Noah, make an ark of gopher wood. And he talks to him about the rooms that he'll make. And then he talks about this pitch and he says, you'll pitch it within and you'll pitch it without. Okay, and that's from Genesis chapter 6. I think that's about verse 14 or so there. But here's the thing. This Hebrew word here is not a common one that's used for pitch. Um, it would appear that, that it is a different word than the most common word. The most common word is, is, is a word that's pronounced something like this, zetet. This particular word is pronounced kefir which is 
translated about 70 times in the Old Testament. But in those other places where it's translated, it means this, to make atonement. And, and, and the idea here, the simple meaning of the word is to cover. To cover. And, and nowhere else is this rendered pitch in, in the scriptures. And what I want you to, to glean from this is that atonement made by the blood, which provides a covering for our sin, is typed out here in this vocabulary, in this work of pitching. It covers our sin. It takes care of our sin. It, it hides our sin, if you will. It's the only thing that takes care of your sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and think about this. God is holy. And, and, and as such, he is of pure eyes and heart, and he, he is not able to behold evil. He doesn't look on iniquity, uh, according to Habakkuk 1.13. So sin has to be covered, if you will. It has to be covered by Jesus' blood. So I think this is a remarkable sort of little extra type thrown in here, if you will, to, to speak to us of the atonement. something amazing about this idea that we are covered and that, that we're covered over by the blood of Jesus. We notice that in this particular story that it's like the storm fell upon the ark, if you will. The storm came upon the ark. Divine judgment came. It, it, it sort of burst in on the earth. But the ark was able, because it was pitched, it was covered, it was able to sustain this, this judgment and this wrath, if you will. All right? and, and I want us to understand that, that judgment came upon Jesus. The judgment for our sin, for my sin, for your sin, it, it, it fell. It, it came down, if you will. It landed. It, it, it fell on Jesus as he was being crucified. Matter of fact, the, the prophecy in, in, in Psalm 42, it says, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. That was his cry. All of thy waves and thy billows. In other words, the storm comes over me. What an amazing parallel. The storm comes over the ark, and the storm comes over Jesus as he becomes the ark for you and I. This is amazing language from the scriptures. I, I want you to understand something today. And that is, I want you to leave here with this understanding that God has done an amazing thing for you and I. And I hope that when you read this story, because I think oftentimes, and I was sharing with Pastor Dave as I was planning this message, and and researching these types, picking out the things I really wanted to share with you. I wanted to see this common theme all the way through of salvation. And I think that's very, very important for us. But I want you to understand something, and that's why I landed on the scriptures I did to, to, to read to you this morning. We focus on the flood. 
We focus on the building of the ark. We focus on the water coming. We love that he opens the window and the raven flies out and he can't find land and comes back. And so they have to wait. And, and then he sends out the dove. How sweet, you know. And the dove goes and flies about and comes back. And then he sends him out again. And he brings the olive branch, the branch of peace. You know, and, and we've, we've really romanticized that particular aspect of uh, the flood. And the rainbow, of course, you know, all, all of that. We, we, we very, very much see these pretty aspects of this story. But this is not a pretty story, folks. The world was destroyed. The world was judged by sin and iniquity. And the, the world was destroyed. And very few were saved. What a small remnant of people that were saved. And God did do miraculous things to save man. In this, and this is such a wonderful type in that respect. But here's what I want to leave you with today, and that is that the door opened on that particular day when the floodwaters had receded and the dove brought the branch back. The ark rested on Mount Ariat. The door opened, and man walked out to a new beginning. Man is not without responsibility. But man walked out to serve God. Man walked out to, in, in this new beginning, be faithful and to fill the earth. He was called to be obedient. And, and the amazing thing is, is that God called a man to be obedient who showed and demonstrated that obedience all the way through. But he calls him out, him and his family, and he calls him to be obedient and to fill the earth. And God is calling you and I in salvation, in this new life that we live, in salvation, we are called to fill the earth with the aroma of Jesus Christ. We are called to serve just as Noah was called to serve. And I want you to forget, not forget one other thing. The first thing that Noah did when he left the ark was to build an altar and to worship God. And you and I are called to worship. We are called to worship we're called to obey. That is what God has given us to do. It is amazing that we have this great salvation that is given to us. It is amazing that it has been revealed in scriptures from the beginnings of time. It is amazing that you and I are here today alive on this earth to have this privilege of obeying and walking in that obedience to see the earth reached for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do to serve, to go out and to serve, to obey, and to worship our God.